Random Art Tips and Rambles with Rafi. Hola, you amazing artists. It's Rafi. And Klee. And today we are going to talk about creating a buzz for your event online or offline. And this is a live podcast. So right now we have Kyle and Esther. And I believe Azura just joined us. And Azura is on here. So we'll have more of our awesome rogue Patreon family show up. And that way they could put in their input. Ask uh, us the questions. And hopefully we could have a really good conversation about mutual excitement. As I called it earlier Mutu- today. Yes, mutual excitement. Hi, Azura. Hi, Azura. So the reason that I put this together was because I was having a conversation with one of our patrons on Discord, and she had just had a live social media event and basically had only two people show up. And I I think because of where we started and how we started, how we didn't have that much money, A, for advertising or doing any anything like that. Like we developed a very on the ground uh, way of marketing our shows in order to make sure that people would show up. And we do it in a very, very natural way. Something that was all about creating the excitement for going to a show. And I think that the reason that I put this together in the way that I did, uh, just hindsight, looking back at what it was that we did during uh, four live shows and in order to really create a buzz for it was taking a look at the stuff that worked for me. What was it that caused me to want to go to an event, to want to go to a show? Mm-hmm. And so that's where this list comes from. So when we got started, my only experience with creating a buzz was from being in rock bands, but it was old school because it was like still kind of the analog days of like, you know, you design a cool poster, you put the poster up around town, but you did have to go on foot and like, literally physically tell people what you were doing. Ask them if you could put your flyer up in their business, hand out little flyers to the humans that might want to come to your show. And you had to be your own street team. Which I think is actually some of the most awesome marketing that there is out there because then you are actually, it's it's feet on the ground. You are, you are out there, you're talking to businesses, you're talking to people And the best way to really create a buzz is if you're going out there and you're excited about this thing and you're basically giving that excitement to other people and giving them the opportunity to show up to whatever it is that you're doing, whether it's online or a live event. And it's uh, usually a mixture of excitement and nervousness, but just being authentic about like, I'm really excited about this. Maybe it's the first time I'm doing it. So I'm nervous, but I'm talking about it because I think it's going to be awesome. And largely when we started uh, with local stuff and in-person events, Uh, That was mostly what it was like we were doing the local markets and handing out like the flyers that you would make to everyone, everyone, everyone. anyone that came into the booth and like interacted with us, interacted with the art, interacted with jewelry. Uh, If we had any kind of event, if we were doing an open studio or we had some kind of special on our website or anything like that, we gave them a flyer. Right. Something that not only do we give them the information, but they have something that they could take home, maybe stick in their pocket, you know, maybe 10 percent of them put it in their pocket. The other 90 percent threw it away in the garbage. Mm -hmm. But the whole reason for that was 
because people forget people have their own lives going on. There are different things happening, uh, you know, presidential elections and, and all that stuff that goes on out in the world that your little event, no matter how important you are to that person, they may forget. It's true. I, there have been uh, a few events that I have really like, I'll write it down in my calendar. I want to be there. And then life happens. And for whatever reason, I miss it because humans, you know. So the first thing you have on this list is you got to let people know and evaluate how you're going to do that. So basically have a plan, yeah. have some semblance of a plan of this is how I'm going to let people know what I'm doing. And here, here's the thing about that is that when you're coming up with the plan, it is best to allow yourself to just have completely out of the box harebrained ideas, right? So like uh, for my big gallery show that I did, one of the things, because I was not counting on the gallery itself to bring in people, even though he had told me, it's like, well, I, I advertised in the newspaper and I did this and I did that. I knew that if my show was going to be successful, that I was going to be the one that needed to promote the show. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I did, which was something that I wanted to do anyway, was to do the scavenger hunt. And the scavenger hunt only hinted at the fact that there was a show. The scavenger hunt was its own thing. I wanted to spread a smile downtown. So I created, uh, I think it was 120 tiny little pieces of art that were on wood. And we went around one night and put them all around town, listed it online and said, these are the secret places where it's at. And we got a whole bunch of pictures of people finding the artwork and sending it to us. And on the bottom of the page where they were allowed to send us a picture of themselves was a small thing that said Rafi's art show happening such and such day. Yes. It's all about doing that cross promotion where you're doing this fun thing where you're giving something uh, away, like in a scavenger hunt, you're giving away a smile, but you also, it's not to get people to your show, but it's also to see if you can make more people aware of what it is that you're doing. Let them know you exist. Let them know you exist. Let them know that you're doing this thing. Cause that's the, the problem. A lot of times when I'm talking to artists, they, they're already discouraged because they'll talk about, well, I did Facebook ads or I did this thing and not that many people showed up. It's not about how many people show up. It's about how many opportunities you give people to be able to find out what it is that you're doing and then tweak it for the next time and tweak it for the next time and, and, and keep tweaking it until you get it to where you're happy with it. And, and, it, and, yeah. e and even then you're still going to tweak it some more. But it builds its own momentum. And that's why you say here, give yourself at least a month. And you say you recommend two months yes. to just put, put that little something out there in the very beginning. When, when you want to create a buzz, I would say two months is important. Repetition is the thing that causes people to remember things, right? So like, if you have an event happening next week and you're like, hey guys, I got this event happening on Friday. I really want you to show up. Um, chances are about 98% of the people that heard that or read that are going to forget because they saw it. They were excited about it. Yes, I really want to get there. And unless they jot it down somewhere in their uh, calendar or whatever, they may forget. So like, it's all about the repetition and leading up to it. And my most favorite thing is creating a teaser. 
two months out, two months, two months from now, I'm going to be doing this thing. And basically letting people know, like, here's this little teaser of this thing that I am so excited about doing. And it's going to be happening in two months. And then from there, you're leading up to the event. And basically all it is, is like you showing off how excited and nervous you are about this thing. I want to address a possible concern. I know that I've thought this. Um, and I think a lot of people think this. I think a lot of the reason that some of us creatives wait till the last minute before an event to tell anyone about it is because you only want to talk about it once, right? Because it's like right. painful to put it out there. Right. And the thought of like, okay, I'm going to get started a month or two months before this is actually happening. Then what's the next thing you think? Oh my God, then how many times do I need to mention this event before it actually goes down? I'm going to be pestering folks. I think a lot of people think that mentioning it repeatedly. And right. so what I've actually learned from you, and you can tell me uh, or build off of this or say, no, that's not it. It's not um, that you're telling them the same thing for two months. You have very effectively done the, I'm going to do a little bit of a thing here. Yep. And then basically each time you post about this thing, it's something new. It's right. an update. It's a little more information that, or it's a shot of something you're creating to get ready for it. That's that's what's called the drip feed. And basically what you're doing, and this is why, this is why when, when I talk in a video about being authentic, when you are creating a buzz, this is why it's important. If in the back of your mind, you are only doing this thing because you want people to show up and you're going to make money um, and the excitement there, there isn't really the genuine excitement of like, oh, I've got this thing going on. I'm so excited. I've never done this before. That's what's going to come through. And you're not going to have a lot to say when it comes to the show. But if not, you've got the behind the scenes where you're getting ready for the show and you're doing these things and you're really nervous about putting this out there and you've got this artwork that's going to go up and this artwork that's going to go up. And basically everything is different. You're not pestering them with the same crap. It'd be different if you were like, I have this thing happening on this day, come to it. I have this thing happening on this day. Come to it. And every single post is the same then leading up to it. you're just kind of it. a broken record. Yeah, exactly. I wanted to use the this illustration. Basically, when you did that solo show that you mentioned earlier in the podcast at right. the gallery, right? you did the scavenger hunt. Uh, you announced the show. Um, and then basically what people got was the story as it unfolded. And there was drama in the story. Yep. So the first piece was like, this gallery space is really, really big. Like this is an enormous yes. undertaking. Um, I don't know, even I'm creating new pieces. I'm bringing some other pieces. I want to do something that I've never done before. And little bits at a time, it was like the audience was able to follow the saga of this show happening as it unfolded. So one, I remember one of the posts was like, we thought it was going to take X amount of hours to install this show. We've been here for eight hours yeah, installing exactly. this show. And here's a little video footage and here's a little bit of pictures of it and so on and so forth. So that it's literally a story unfolding rather than just here's this thing, here's this thing, here's this thing. Yeah, here's the show. Just come to it. Because it's all about the excitement. Like I was so excited to be putting the show together. Mm -hmm. And then the space was giant. 
So instead of so the big. 40 pieces that I had ready for a show, it needed to be 120 pieces. It needed to pieces. be 120 pieces. And then at the end of the day, I created a giant piece that took up the space of like 10 pieces so that I wouldn't have to bring in 120 pieces. I would only have to bring in 10 pieces mm-hmm. or 100 pieces. But everybody knew about this stuff going on. And it was so much fun because people showed up and they knew the story. coming in. They knew the story. So they were there and they got to enjoy the artwork. Kelly said, I'm not shy. Next July, I'm trying again. Since this past July didn't work out, I have another solo show. Yes. Congratulations, Kelly. Kelly. And we will be super excited to see how you put that all together and put it out there. And I know next July, it will be a tremendous success. While writing this book on marketing, Right. What I what I realized is that I hate the word marketing. And yeah, the reason that I hate the word marketing is because of the stigma that is attached to it, because the way that it's perceived is it's this thing where psychologically you are tricking people into doing what you want them to do. It's basically like, you know, this is how you brainwash the masses in order to get them to do what you want them to do. And what you want them to do is purchase your art in the millions. Which is nice if you have billions of dollars and an evil lair and a team of people to market <laughs> to market your product and you sit back and you're like, research studies While, while you're shown. stroking your bald cat. Yes. Yeah. But um, for us artists... It's really not that at all. And that is not effective. And I think actually that way of advertising is becoming less and less effective because it's just been done and done and done. It has been done and it's still being done. And it's the same kind of marketing crap that is uh, touted to artists as like this new, like you want to learn how to market yourself, then you got to do it this way. And it's like the same stuff that every business out there is doing. And the the problem that I have with those uh, artist marketing courses and things like that is that it's very competitive, right? So they talk about being an artist in the same way that they talk about any other product that's out there. Like your art is in competition with someone else's art. The problem is that that is simply not true. It is not shampoo. With shampoo, like you go out, you buy a shampoo, you like the shampoo, oh, it works really good. And then you hear the marketing of another shampoo and you think to yourself, well, maybe that will take care of this issue. And so like you purchase the other shampoo and then you try it. And so like you go through a lifetime where it's very rare where one person just uses the same shampoo. It's the marketing that got them to buy the new brand. That is fantastic. Product marketing is great as far as making people aware of what's out there and uh, getting them to switch from this brand to that brand because it's very competitive. When it comes to being an artist, it just does not work. It does not work. The same tactics that you use to sell product does not work to sell your art. Things not- that resonate with people in a strong emotional way. Most people I know are not switching up all their artwork collections or jewelry collections seasonally when they're collecting no. um, one of a kind pieces. A lot of artists get upset because you got places like Hobby Lobby and I forget what the other one is. Kirkland's Kirkland's is that's selling like this, this, the, the artwork for really cheap, right? These reproductions and stuff like that. And the, the, because they're so used to looking at 
at anything in such a competitive way, they look at those establishments as competition for what they're doing. Me personally, I am so excited that there are places like Hobby Lobby and Kirkland's that buys that that sells cheap art because basically what that means is that that individual is interested in putting art on their wall and they have not been educated yet to what it means to buy from an actual artist. Those things can be like a gateway drug, as you said. Exactly. And then basically all of those pieces that they have hanging on their wall become place setters for your art once they discover you and figure out that they love your artwork. Because once you buy original art, you are not going to go back to Kirkland. No, you can't go back. No. I also want to say hello and welcome to Jason, who just joined us. Hey, Jason. Us a few minutes back. Yep. And hi to Zoe also. And Zoe hi, said, Zoe. I think it's about a mindset difference in whether you as a maker view your work as a handmade product or art. And to me, I think it correlates strongly to whether you're making things you think people want or making things that you're excited about making regardless of demand. Yes, Zoe. This is a huge point. Here's the thing about that, Zoe, is that a lot of people, you're going to hear a lot of people out there talk about these. These are the things that are popular. These are the things that people want. This is the art that people want, right? Whether you're in this area or that area and whatever the art is. The problem is that anytime that anyone says that, they are absolutely and completely full of crap because that is such a standard thing to say when in actuality, there are so many people and you cannot account for every single person. No, the, that's excluding a huge portion of people. It is excluding the basically everyone. And you, what you're saying is that the people out there and, and just kind of labeling an entire group of people, like I've heard artists say, well, people here in Pensacola don't like art that's not beachy and not like, you know, a beach scene or something like that. And I refuse to go that route even though a lot of the artists here were convinced that that's the only art that sells that everyone here in Pensacola only buys that kind of art. I was like, no, I'm going to create the stuff that I love to create. And eventually what's going to happen is that my people are going to find it. Well, my people did. And a lot of my people were like, thank God you're creating something that is not beach art. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and, and that was the thing that what I realized is like, a lot of people make these uh, generalizing very overall statements based on their experience. And then somehow, some way, it becomes the common consensus. And then because it does that, then it becomes true. And I've heard it used for every nudes don't sell. Nudes are the only things that are selling these days. Abstracts don't sell. Oh, People are only buying abstracts like it is so contradictory and so confusing that if you try to follow any trends or whatever people are saying is the stuff that's selling, all you're going to do is diminish the artwork that you want to create. Yeah. So, so you're absolutely right. It's completely has to do with perspective. One perspective is yours. This is what I want to create. The other perspective is this is what I think because people have told me that other people want. Jason wondered, how do you fuel that passion for creating from your heart? 
to a commissioned piece so it has the same energy. Jason, the only way that I take on a commission is if there is something about that commission that I can get excited about. Right. Okay, I'll give you an example. So right now, the person that I'm working on a commission for, he is a fisherman. He is a, 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 a very popular, famous spear fisherman in Qatar, right? In a different country. And he likes sexy women on his uh, artwork, right? I like whenever I paint anybody in the, the human body, whether it's male or female, I like painting empowered pieces. So when I do the sketch, I make sure that it is something that I feel is empowering, that I feel that is powerful and that I could get behind. And if you can't get behind it, then you have to pass on. Then the I pass on it. There are a lot of commissions that I, that I pass on to other artists because it's just not something that I could get behind. Um, Zoe says, sometimes it's also demand from your audience. Like you've discussed with the signs you used to make. I think anytime you're producing something you don't really actually want to be making, then that's not great, even if you know you could make a lot of money by making that thing. Absolutely, yes. Zoe. Earlier today, when we were doing some other recordings, I called marketing, I re rephrased marketing as mutual excitement. Yes. You're excited. You're sharing that excitement with other people. They're getting excited. It kind of happens organically when you are genuinely excited. I think this is the foundational thing about getting your work out there and getting other people excited about what you're doing. You're genuinely excited because you're doing something you feel passionate about. You almost can't lose because anytime you talk about it to anyone, you're going to have that excitement. Yes. If you're doing something that you think you should be doing and you have to work at finding a reason to be excited for it, there's almost nothing you can do. <laughs> to produce that genuine excitement from an inauthentic place. So I feel like at the core, you need to be doing something you are genuinely into. Exactly. I mean, it, it, the signs is a perfect example that, that, and I love using that example because it was so, it was, it was, it was at the very beginning. I was so insecure. I was like, well, signs seem to sell good here at the flea market. So mm -hmm. I'm going to start doing handmade signs and I'm going to do them in a way that nobody's ever seen. So to me, I was like, yeah, I'm creating this thing. Well, what it was, was really the insecurity behind, uh, I'm not making any money, so I got to do something that sells. And so, and I'm not saying that every time, like if there is something that sells that, that you think is a good seller and you want to create those things, then absolutely. The fact of the matter is I convinced myself that I wanted to do signs and I did not want to do signs, but Zoe, it doesn't stop there throughout my career. There have been commissions and things that I've created, even full series, where after I created them or during the, the process of creating them, I realized, like, why am I doing this? The only reason that I'm doing this is because I think that this is going to sell because I'm not excited about this at all. And it ends up shooting you in the foot because then when you need to talk about it, there's nothing there. No. No, and excitement is what's contagious. It is that excitement that you get to share with someone else. People buy my art because I am excited about the art that I create. And I could tell you that there have been plenty of pieces that I've created 
that I created for whatever, whatever reason is in the background of my mind. That's why I say like, whenever you get desperate, when, when money issues come up, it really sucks because the biggest challenge there is that when money issues come up, you have to really, really keep a close eye on what is going on, what your, what your motivation is behind something. Mm-hmm. Because it is very easy for the disingenuine to sneak into that. And then really, it just shoots you in the foot every single time. And that's why I say, like, there are plenty of pieces that I've created in the past that just were not genuine because I had gone into a place where I was like, oh, shit, we need to pay our bills. We need we need to pay rent. I need to make this much at this show. So I'm going to create this series of pieces because I know that that's what was popular two weeks ago. So that's what's going to sell. And then they don't sell. Yeah. Ironically enough, usually what would happen is I would kill myself all week to try and create these pieces that were going to sell. And then I would sell one of my old pieces <laughs> that I hadn't even paid attention to in like a year or so. It seems it never fails. Jason said, so find your passion that crosses with theirs. Yes, exactly, yes. Jason. And if you cannot find a passion that crosses with theirs, no matter what, you're the one that's creating the art. So you got to make sure that you are excited about creating this piece, that there is something about that piece that you're like, oh yeah, I, this is this is going to be awesome. If I cannot find that, then I do not take the commission. Even if it's a color palette, there's some common ground. Like if you can find a way to get excited about it, that's awesome. And if not, then someone else is more yeah. uh, suitable yeah. for the commission. Exactly, and that's where that's where that's where I say it's not a competition. There are a lot of artists that I recommend to uh, people that have come to me that are more capable of creating something that they are looking for. And I have no problem recommending my clients or my collectors to other artists because it's all about sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. Jason said, I am at a weird point. I'm retired military and disabled, but I also have a new job with the Navy as a civilian. I don't need to sell my work but I don't have enough space to keep it all. Oh, yeah. Well, you're at an advantage in so much as the money aspect, it, it, it's not creating a situation where yeah. you're feeling desperate. Um, so you have the luxury of kind of trying stuff and seeing how it plays out, as we all do if we can get past our money struggles. When it comes to the storage of the art, right now in our house, we have. Uh, I want to say about 140 pieces stored here in the house, Easily. right? Now, here's the thing. We have a 900 square foot house. Our living space without the studio is maybe about 300 square feet. The rest of it is the studio and storage for the artwork. So like, I understand how artwork could take up a lot of room. Indeed. Now, here's the thing though. I also have about 250 works of art that are hanging in businesses around town that if they were here, then we seriously would not have. No, we could any not room. do anything. So it's, it's the opportunity to look at alternative ways to store your art. A lot of people look at hanging their work in different businesses and they're like, well, does it sell? Does it this? Does it that? In my mind, I'm like, you get to display your artwork, right? For free. Because a lot of these businesses are not asking for a commission or anything, but 
you get to display your artwork and also instead of it sitting in storage in your house, taking up room, now it's out there on a wall. And the only thing that you have to worry about is that maybe a piece will get some damage. Maybe this will happen to it. All stuff that could be eventually repaired. I have never in the six years that I put my artwork out there in Pensacola have never had a piece get damaged. And if I did have some, some weird restaurant smell on one of the pieces, <laughs> I don't, happens. I don't put my stuff in that many restaurants, <laughs> just the really fancy ones. But if you ever have that weird restaurant sell, smell, all you do is put it outside and then you spray it with, um, uh, osium. 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 Osium yeah. kills all the scents. <laughs> Kyle said possibly banks. Yes, too. exactly, Kyle. Like anywhere, anywhere that you could store your art. And it gives you the opportunity also to uh, get familiar with talking to business owners. Because as an artist, I think a lot of us, we shy away from that side of things. Well, I think because we think that it's one-sided, like they're doing us this huge favor. And so we're like, please, <laughs> please, can I show please, my art? <laughs> please, sir. Not realizing like they're getting something great out of that yes. too. Uh, rather than having to <clears throat> buy a huge collection of artwork for their establishment, they could have an ever-changing art display yeah. for local artists. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing, like that that's where our position, we have to remind ourselves that like we are providing a service to a business, to a person, to whoever it is. It's not them doing us a favor by taking our artwork and showing it. Oh, thank you so much. It is a mutual exchange. And I think that a lot of that has to, has to come down to uh, how we feel about ourselves and what we're doing out there and whether or not we believe that it is, it is important because it is. Jason said, we moved from Virginia Beach this year, and there they wanted to charge a commission. But here in PA, Pennsylvania, I assume, I bet that would be different. Yeah, it definitely does depend on the location. It, it depends sure. on the business, right? So, like, I've had businesses approach me that want me to put artwork up on their wall, and then they want to charge a 30% commission. And then within the same town, I have other businesses that are just happy to have artwork on their mm -hmm. wall. It does depend on the business. And in some cases, uh, we were happy to pay the commission. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, we wanted to have our stuff there. It just depends on how you, the vibe you get from a place, I think. There were a lot of places that contacted me that I was like, nope. Not going to happen. And they were like, oh, you want to come next week with your artwork? I've got room. And I looked around and I was like... Uh, no, no, it's not going to happen. Even though other artists had their artwork there, I was like, mm, no, thank you. Kelly said, I have 14 pieces hanging at my work for my patients to see. They get excited when I switch it up. And that is so love that. awesome. And, um, I think that's so cool that you do that, Kelly, where you have crossover between the two worlds, basically the job, the day job and the art career. And you're, you're, uh, taking the opportunity to show your art. That's that's what being a rogue is all about. Yeah. I've heard uh, artists even say here in Pensacola that like, well, you know, all the businesses want to charge this much or like these businesses are no good or whatever. Not realizing that like everyone that you approach, every opportunity that you approach is completely different than the last one. And so like you get to decide 
what it is that you want to do based on that opportunity right there and not generalize every single business or every single person or every single artist into one Yes. And I would say sometimes an opportunity opens up and I would say uh, pursue it before you're able to talk yourself out of it is often the answer. Yes. So we've been on a roll here and Jason said, thanks for the info and help. You guys are awesome. Uh, We think you're awesome too, Jason. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, so that we can cover some of these. Well, uh, don't forget that this list is going to get covered in the video that I'm posting on YouTube. So this is more, I wanted to get the organic conversation, the organic conversation going. Okay. So I will go ahead and move on to the next one. And then if you guys have questions or feedback and we'll just see what happens. So, uh, you, uh, the next thing after a teaser, and then we just totally went on our own way, which is awesome, uh, for the online world, because most of us are doing everything online right now. Yep. Hashtags for your event. Could you Uh, please explain them to the masses? Okay. The way that you use a hashtag is, for example, like with the uh, art scavenger hunt, right? Hashtag inspire a smile. And basically what that is, is a hashtag is something that someone could type that hashtag into social media, into any of the social media or even Google, and it will pull up everything that is associated with that hashtag. So that means that if you are doing something where you're giving other people the opportunity to use your hashtag, anytime that that hashtag gets pulled up, you're going to be able to see all that information that is behind that one hashtag. Which kind of gives it street cred, if you will. exactly. Uh, And also allows engagement. So the goggles have a hashtag, hashtag goggles. So that anywhere that the goggles go in the whole world, they're not an event, but they're a creature that we create. Anywhere they go in the world, uh, someone might post to Twitter, this is what my goggle is doing. uh, And it's in Germany. (laughs) Yeah. My mural that is downtown uh, at the bottom corner, it says hashtag Rafi was here. So every once in a while, I'll go online and look for hashtag Rafi was here and I'll see pictures from people that come and visit Pensacola that are taking pictures next to my mural. Uh, also, you'll typically do a Facebook event page, a social media event page. I'll do a Facebook event page because they're very easy to set up and it's almost like, why not? It's kind of a no brainer. Yeah. I, sometimes I look at Facebook as like, that's where I keep my mom and my aunt updated on what's going on with me. But also <laughs> um, I do have a lot of peeps that keep up with me on yes. Facebook. So why why not make it easy? Make it easy. And I think I'm going to skip to that. Make it stupid, simple, easy for anyone who even has the inkling that they might want to attend your event. Make it as easy as possible for them because no one wants to jump through hoops for anything. You guys, listen, I make everything very, very easy. You go to one link and then you go to the thing that I'm doing, right? And even then people get confused. It just, it there is always a loss of communication. So no matter what, if you are telling people to show up to your event and you're, you're letting them guess where the link is to the event, you're not actually sharing the link that just takes them right to the event, or you're telling them, go on Facebook. And then if you go on my page and you scroll down, you'll be able to find the event. Don't expect those people to come. 
because they're not going to. And that's the one thing that um, it frustrates me about Instagram because Instagram is where like a lot of stuff happens uh, and they make you go to the link in bio for anything and everything. So you created the bridge page yes. on our site to make it easy. Yeah. You guys, if you don't have a bridge page on your website, I suggest you build a bridge page because that way you could just put that one link on all of your social media, on anything. And then whenever you are doing something new, like we were doing the Boogeyman Boogie, then you could just put that link on that bridge page. And the only page that you will ever have to edit is just your bridge page instead of having to edit all the social media links. Now, I want to say that the bridge page was a new concept for me even being in this as long as so I actually think it would be maybe helpful if we did some kind of thing we, we on will. the bridge page. We will we will do that because the reason that I built the bridge page is because I kept seeing the link tree yeah. stuff. And basically link tree is just a page that you're paying money for that link page. Yeah, that links to your other pages. And I'm like, if you're already paying for a website, why are you gonna pay for Linktree? Now I get it. Linktree connects with like different services out there because they have contracts, but in all honesty, I don't care. I will just link that one page on my website and then people are there. So in addition to making it super simple for people, and I think this is kind of like a given, but sometimes we forget when we're swept up in the other stuff, make sure you give all the relevant information the who, the what, the when, the where, and the why, the five W's, as you call them. So many people leave out the critical information when they're posting about their event. Oh, you guys, I, I think that the reason that a lot of people do that is because they're afraid to post it. They don't want to bother people. It's almost like they, they take this. It's like being a kid and going somewhere and your parents telling you, like, don't ask for anything. Don't blah, 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 blah. Right. And it's a lot of us take the same approach when you got to remember that people will, I love it when people share with me the link, the why they're doing something, why I should be there. That's, that's where the why was so important to me. Why are they doing this and why should I be there? Mm -hmm. What, what reason should I be there? And then the where, the what, the how. And often the why I'm doing this is simultaneously the why should you be there. I'm yeah. doing this because I'm passionate about supporting this coalition. Or yeah. I'm doing this because I really freaking love flowers and I did a whole series of them. And if yeah. you love flowers too. Esther said, I didn't think about doing a bridge page. I have Linktree. But if I had the page on my website, they are visiting my website. Exactly. Exactly, exactly Esther. Esther. So I think there's this fear of like, okay, so I'm going to tell you about my event. And then if you're interested, you'll contact me for the deets. No, they won't. No, they're not going to contact so just you. Give you give you're giving them all these extra steps to be able to go and support you at your event. Like that's such a pain in the ass to me. I'm like... Just give them the information that they need so that if they want to be there, they could show up and it's easy for them. Make it easy for them. You are not being a pain in the ass by giving them the information that they need 
to make it easy for them. And I think this plays into don't hassle people, but don't be shy about it. I think it's shyness that keeps us from posting sometimes all the relevant details, or maybe it's just, there's a learning curve. When I, th- you're first I, doing it. I think maybe there's a learning curve, but I think mostly it's shyness because none of us want to be pushy. And that's what I mean. Don't be pushy. Don't be a jerk about it. Don't just keep posting the same damn thing. Don't hawk. You right. know, there are so many Whether times it's in person or online. Oh my God. There talking was, is annoying. There are so many times that we'd be set up at a market and somebody like two booths down from us would be hawking and mm-hmm. hawking is never pleasant. It is never allowed. That's where somebody's like fresh fish, come over here and get it <laughs> over here, you know, and basically yelling at everybody and, and getting their attention in that way. And uh, it, it's just annoying. Don't don't do that. You don't need to hawk to get the people that might be interested in you to be interested in you. Just have something that they're excited about and share the deets with them. Let them know how to get there and make it easy for them to get there. They will come. Build it and they will come. Yes. Build it and they will come. And I'm going to cover just some of the, the a couple things. Uh, if you're doing any visual presentation, make sure it looks good. Visually interesting Guys, have fun. Have fun with your photographs. Have fun with your photographs. My last art show that I did at Dolce & Gelato, I laid down on my painting table <laughs> yeah, you did. in a sexy pose and said, Rafi's birthday bonanza. Yeah, you did. You know, so like, don't, don't be shy about having fun with your marketing. That's, that's the thing. Like, I hate calling it marketing, but it's all about putting yourself out there and being excited about what you're doing and having fun. And sure, a lot of times you may be talking to someone else and they might be like, I would never do that. Well, that's them. You just have fun in your own way. If you are a big sci-fi nerd, then use that in your marketing. Abby said, I'm still trying to get the Etsy rules of photography out of my head, trying to get a little more creative with my photos. Etsy rules. Yes, thank you. Uh, I'm also trying to unprogram the Etsy rules of photography. And honestly, it's taken me a couple of years because I'm a little bit resistant when it comes to (laughs) stuff like that. Um, And I've just recently started thinking about new ways to photograph my work. I I would also like to say, just put this out there. Remember, because I have to remind myself too, you can experiment vigorously and you don't have to share it with anyone yeah. unless you stumble upon something that you're like, oh, this is great. Like, do you, I'm guys, sharing- do you guys have any idea how much stuff we have that never sees the that light never of day? sees the light of day? Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> Resending because I think you missed it. You can also use hashtags that exist for promotion, like on Twitter, ArtShare. Yes. Yes. Uh, Yeah. Don't reinvent the wheel, man. If something you're doing is relevant to a hashtag that's already like, and you can get a few people to. Oh, absolutely. Hashtag artist life is the one thing. And I've had people like, you know, you don't own that. I was like, nobody owns that. No, hashtags (laughs) are for everyone to use. Someone could use inspire a smile if they wanted to. And that would be their right. Kelly said, I still have Etsy and website us too. Yes. Us too. We're migrating because we didn't want to just pull the plug. But at the same time, so I have my, my curate your space prints. I have size five by seven, eight by 10, and uh, 11 by 13 on Etsy. And then the larger sizes are on my website. Yeah. So whenever anybody on Etsy says, 
Can do I you, get this in a larger yeah, size? Yeah, do you have this in a larger size? I send them to my website because I don't want to pay Etsy the commissions. So they get the smaller ones and then the bigger ones are on my website. So it helps me to promote my website and send more people to my site. Absolutely. Okay, back to the fun factor yes. at your event. Yes. Here's a couple things. I'm going to just rapid fire them. Have a good time. If that means recruiting a friend to do an event with you because you'll have a better time than being by yourself, do it. Yes. Have all the laughs and have all the fun and have someone there to help you manage, read comments, uh, help you keep track of what you're doing. If you can't do that, make sure that you're having a good time. I've seen people employ random Q&A for their audience. In fact, that was something that Shoop did. Uh, random questions for the audience, like what's your favorite sandwich? Yeah. <laughs> and it kept the conversation Just flowing. Having fun. Yes. Having fun is so important. Being so grateful. And I can I can refer back to my band days. Okay. I ha- I played many a show in the early days where like one human showed up for that show. Yeah. And you know what we did when one human showed up for our show? We played our asses off. And the reason that we played our hearts out and did the full on show for this one person is because a it's a chance to have a full on dress rehearsal and have an awesome show. But B, what would you rather have that one dude say when he walks away or lady? Uh, I went to this show and I was the only person there and this band rocked out just for me. Right. Or I went to the show and I was the only person there and this band sucked. sucked. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it, maybe you didn't suck, but you weren't giving it your all. And so their takeaway was that you sucked. But I mean, that that right there poses that same question that I ask when it comes to the art or when it comes to any event that you do. Why are you on stage playing music if if it matters to you how many people are if in it matters, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like if only one person shows up and that's enough to discourage you, then you, why are you doing it? Yeah. And, and that's the same thing when it comes to the events, you have to be genuine. It has to be where nobody like with our stuff that we did in the beginning, nobody would show up and we'd be like, hello, we're having a good time anyway. (laughs) And you could see that dynamic actually within my bands that I was in. I was on stage because I love to sing. I love it. Some of my bandmates were on stage because they want applause and admiration. So they were having a bad night when it was a low turnout. I was having a good night. You got to do it. Because that's what you want to do, no matter what it is that you're doing as a creative and doing something, whether it's a show or a live stream or whatever it is, you got to do it because you want to do it. And if nobody shows up, then bring your best self and just have a blast. Or if one person shows up or two people show up, show that appreciation and love because they could be anywhere else in the world. Totally. They could be watching Netflix instead. Yes. <laughs> and if you guys have any tips on how to create a buzz, go ahead and leave that in a comment section. Thank you so much to everyone for listening. And if you like this and you want to listen to more like this, click somewhere around here to subscribe. I'm not sure where. And that's it. Say goodbye, <laughs> Rafi. Adios. <laughs> and good day.